Okay. Who thinks that this place is looking rather nice? Yeah, I know. Can we have a big cheer for the team who put this together? Because they have done an amazing... Yes. Amazing job. I thought um, I'm bringing just a very short Christmas reflection. I say short because I am the main item between you and your pudding, so I intend to be brief. Um, I am bringing a short Christmas reflection, but I thought we might just begin with a little bit of a game. Is anyone up for that? Get us all in the Christmas mood, you know. I have entitled this rather aptly, The Christmas Dinner Table Quiz, okay? Prepare yourselves. My thought is that we all have different traditions around the Christmas dinner table. Picture your Christmas dinner table, if you will, with me for a minute. You're sitting down. There's the big whatever it is on the table. The table is groaning with the weight of dinner. Everybody is assembled. And uh, we all have different traditions, don't we, around the table? We have different things that might be there, different people who might come, different days, in fact, that we might even celebrate Christmas together. And what I've realized about Christmas in my brief 30 years of celebrating Christmas um, is that we will defend our traditions to the core, to the death. If you've been born and brought up a turkey girl, then a turkey girl you will remain. Anyone with me? Yeah, a few of you are with me. Okay, so pick to your table. And what I would like you to do is cheer for the tradition that is at your Christmas dinner table, okay? So I'm going to give you two options, and then I'm going to ask you to cheer for one, and then the next, and we'll see which one is victorious in this, the great central Christmas dinner table quiz. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, I want you to like scream, holler, cheer. I give you permission. You may stand on your chairs and go wild. Okay, question number one in the Christmas dinner table quiz. Turkey or no turkey? Give me a cheer if there is turkey on your Christmas dinner table. It was rather, rather loud. Thank you, Andy. And give me a cheer if there is an alternative to turkey on your Christmas dinner table. I'm actually shocked. Wow, that was surprising. I think maybe the the turkey alternative might have won that one. Okay, question number two. Do you love sprouts or hate sprouts of the Brussels variety? Okay, give me a cheer if you love sprouts. Sprouts for the win. And, uh, all right, guys, calm, calm it down. Give me a cheer if you hate sprouts. I think the hating sprouts may have just clinched that one. And then number three, the final question in this, the Christmas dinner table quiz. Are hats optional or mandatory? Okay. Hats, you know, from the cracker. Optional or mandatory? Are hats optional? Give me a cheer. Wow, that was, that was feeble. <laughs> and are hats mandatory wearing? Wow, who knew? A bunch of hat wearers. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, I mean, that was a little bit of fun, but um, 
the kind of point that I want to make, I, I, I don't know what your table really looks like. You are a huge variety of people here. I don't know what it looks like when you sit down to Christmas dinner at your table. Um, we're going to save the crackers for later, just those of you who got a little excited over here just now. Okay. They're actually kind of part of the evening. Hats are mandatory later in the evening. Okay. I, I don't know whether Christmas is something that you are really looking forward to this year. You're thinking, yes, I'm thinking about the dinner table and I am full of joy, gladness, anticipation. I could sing Hark the Herald right now. Or whether, in fact, when you think about your Christmas dinner table, it fills you with a little bit of stress or sadness because Christmas this year or maybe every year is something that just isn't that much fun. You're just kind of, I just, to be honest, I'm just going to get through this. And... The Christmas reflection that I want to bring to us this evening as we are gathered around a table and tables together is this. God invites you to sit and eat with him at his table this Christmas. There is a table for each one of us at which Jesus sits and he invites you, come, sit down and eat with me. Wherever you are on that spectrum, whatever your traditions, whether you love turkey, hate turkey, love sprouts, hate sprouts, are wearing your crowns already, like the kings that you are. Jesus invites you to his table. So let me tell you a little bit about the table in the history of our people, in the history of God's people, that is who we are. This table that we share, it's actually a fairly profound um, history and theology that we have. It's, it's a rich and beautiful history. God's people have always met around a table and have always met around food. That might cheer some of you up this evening. Jewish festivals are so centered around food that one rabbi is said to have claimed that you can summarize all the Jewish festivals in three brief sentences, and it goes like like this. Number one, they tried to kill us. Number two, we survived. Number three, let's eat. Uh, so in, in, in Jewish culture, the culture that Jesus lived in, what, what happened at the table was totally crucial in defining who you were and what you were about. So if you ate with, let's say for a minute, if you ate with good people, like this table here looks like a table full of very, very lovely, good people. If I sat at this table, then I would be a very good person because I'd be joining these great, great people. And people would think highly of me because I sat at this table. If I was invited to this table, then good for me. Well done, Hannah. But this table, this table with Naomi and Zach, oh gosh. If I had to sit at this table then I was not doing so well. So where you sat, where you were invited to sit, whose table you sat at was important. Your pecking order was shown by who you ate with. So have a little look around your table and decide if you've done well or not so well this evening. All right, don't look too hard. And so into this culture of tables comes Jesus. And Jesus was a Jew, so he was very much a part of growing up around this kind of table culture. And in the Gospels, there are three descriptions of Jesus that start with this sentence, the Son of Man 
came. And if you have been a Christian, a follower of Jesus for a while, then you'll be familiar with the sentiment of some of these statements. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. Check. I kind of get that one. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Mark 10.45. Check. And then, interestingly, the third. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. I don't know about you, but that is the kind of statement I can get behind. I'm like, yeah, ah, I am up for that. <laughs> it's, it's like the most unlikely summary for Jesus that you maybe have never thought you've read before in the scripture. But it's right there. Believe me, you can go and look it up yourself. Matthew 11:19, Luke 7, 34. It's even repeated twice. That's how important it is. And so what Jesus said and what he did around the table tells us a lot about who he was, what he was about. It's at the table, he tells us. What kind of kingdom is Jesus building? It's at the table. What kind of father does he have and he's showing to the world he loves? It's at the table. What does it mean to live a life that pleases God? It's at the table that Jesus shows us this. It's kind of like, honestly, you could read a gospel and think that Jesus was either eating a meal, finishing a meal, going to a meal, or thinking about his next meal. It's like the kind of savior that I want to follow. What kind of kingdom is he building? It's at the table. And Jesus came to the table either as a guest, he was invited, or as the host because he was throwing the party. And he was pretty good at both. He was a guest at um, a wedding and he basically encountered this horrendous wine situation. They had run out of wine. If you're throwing a Christmas party this Christmas season and you run out of wine, it's like, oh my goodness, the party is over. I have just said that in a church. You have me on record. You don't want to run out of wine at a wedding. And so Jesus comes along and he says, no problem. Let me just turn all of this water into wine. It's like the best guest to have. He was great at being a guest and he was great at being a host. He threw this picnic lunch and everyone forgot to bring their picnic lunch. So he just turned five fish and two bread into 12 baskets of provision and there was stuff left over. When you ate with Jesus, when you sat around his table, nobody went hungry. The other really interesting thing about Jesus's table is who got to sit at it. You remember this whole like the good people sit at the good table and then the slightly dodgy people sit at a different table. You know, you keep them separate. Well, Jesus, he was quite happy just to utterly disrupt the, stu- the kind of status quo He sits them all together. He says, there is another way. There is a third table way. The kingdom of God, it's like he's saying at his table, is where the poor and the marginalized sit with the rich and the powerful. It's where the prostitute sits with the moral police. It's where the Gentile and the Jew, people of different and opposing and sometimes clashing races and cultures sit together. He sits them together and he says, eat, eat together. And uh, I don't know about you, but it's kind of easy to miss the drama of that, isn't it? Because we live in a deeply egalitarian culture. 
our generation, we've been brought up. It's been deeply ingrained in us, fiercely defended. Everybody's equal. Doesn't matter where you're from or what you do. Everybody is equal. But in Jesus's time, that wasn't the case. These kind of table manners, they were radical, radical news. And so ponder with me for a minute. If Jesus was here tonight, who would he have at his table? Just have a little think. Who would Jesus sit at his table? We'd probably come up with some good answers. The refugee, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? The migrant, the poor, women, children, the excluded. He would accept them. He would show them hospitality. He would accept their hospitality to him. But what about the people who might offend us a little more? What if Jesus would sit Jeremy Hunt and the medical student at the same table? What then? What if he would sit the newly rehomed Syrian refugee with the leadership of the BMP at the same table? And he said both were welcome. Who would Jesus eat with? Would he sit with Donald Trump? Now there's a question to talk about over your Christmas dinner table. Putin, the paedophile, the ISIS terrorist, would he eat with them? How radical were Jesus' table manners? Jesus' table, um, hate to break it to you, but wouldn't have made it to Pinterest. It wasn't Instagrammable. If you read the Gospels, you know, chaotic things happened at Jesus's dinner table. People had arguments, people stormed out, people did offensive and slightly awkward things. But people sat together and they ate. And I think that gives us a lot to think about this Christmas as we sit at our various tables on various days with various groupings of people. Does your table look like Jesus's? Who sits at your table? Is there room for people who are not like you? Who don't think like you? Who sits at your table? But the question um, I actually want to ask tonight as we gather together is, is maybe something that heads us in a little different direction. So I've talked about the table, the history of the table for God's people. But my question this evening is a little different and it's this. Is Jesus at your table? Is Jesus at your table? And in the immortal words of Lumiere and Mrs. Philpotts, have we invited Jesus to be our guest? This Christmas, can't get through Christmas without Disney, don't know about you. The story that we see in scripture and that we read throughout Advent, throughout this season of stopping and remembering is one of Jesus, the guest. Jesus, the, the baby who came as a guest to a broken down stable and a teenage mother to be birthed, to be loved, to be cared for in very human arms. Jesus, the guest who knew hunger, who knew rejection, as well as friendship and fill. Jesus, the guest who came to us and comes to us again tonight. 
and wants to sit and eat with you and with me? Is he your guest this Christmas? That's my question. And so come with me if you will. We're going to read together um, as we head towards a finish, I promise, is a story where Jesus is a guest at table. It's a story from the end of Luke's narratives, from Luke 24. And uh, in summary, what has just happened is that Jesus has just been killed. He is dead. So his appearance at a dinner table is something of a surprise, you might say. You were thinking, I thought he had exited the story, but no. We know because we get to read the narrative with the benefit of hindsight that, in fact, Jesus has been raised from the dead and he is alive again. But his disciples are unaware of this. And the story goes that they had scattered. And two of Jesus' disciples, his friends, the people who'd been around him and around his ministry, are making the journey from Jerusalem, where everything has happened, where Jesus has died, to a place called Emmaus, which was like a day's walk. Think from here to Glasgow, like it would take you a good day of trekking with your walking boots on. And they're talking together. They're kind of, to be honest, I think they're pretty heartbroken. They are disappointed. They are confused. This Jesus, we thought he was going to be everything, but he's dead. What now? And, and And this stranger comes alongside them on the road, this stranger. And they're kept from recognizing him, but the narrative tells us that it was in fact Jesus. And this stranger comes alongside them and walks with them and explains to them, hey guys, do you not understand this is what needed to happen to the Savior, that he needed to die? And then God was going to raise him from the dead again because God was about restoring all things and dealing with the sickness and sinfulness of our hearts. And at the end of their journey, they've been talking with the stranger and he's made sense of so many things to them. And they invite him to come in. Be our guest, they say. Be our guest. And so he comes in. Let's read Luke 24 and it'll be up on the screen behind me. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted, Jesus, as if he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them. And here is what happened. He sat down at the table with them. He sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed and broke and gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him, and then he disappeared. So I have one big point this evening, and this is it. It is when we invite Jesus to sit at our table that we realize who he really is. It is when you invite Jesus to sit at your table to be your guest that you realize who he truly is. That's when he makes the journey from stranger to guest in your life. And why? Because When you sit at a table like you are, you are forced to look at people in the face. You are knee to knee 
eye to eye, face to face. There is no kind of fast food drive through at a dinner table. You have to be there. You're fully present. You're physically engaged. And so when Jesus sits down at a table with you and eats, there's no escaping who he really is. It's when the two disciples invite Jesus in as a guest and, he, and he's actually eating with them that they know who he is. It's like their eyes are opened and they see, oh my word, it's Jesus. Can you imagine? He breaks the bread and suddenly they see him. It's him. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. And then he disappears. It's like the worst table manners ever. It's Jesus. And they're so excited by this news, so convinced by this revelation that they get up, having walked for an entire day to Emmaus, and they run back to Jerusalem to tell their friends, we've seen Jesus and he's alive and you wouldn't believe it, he appeared. And he was at the table and then he was walking on the road and he made sense of everything to us and it's Jesus, he's here. He sat at our table and we knew who he was. It's Jesus. There is a lot of good stuff in Jesus, this stranger. And for some of you guys, that's where you are in your journey right now. Jesus is the stranger on the road. And he's making a lot of sense of things in here for you. He's explaining a lot of things. There's lots of things to like about Jesus, the stranger. Social inclusion, check. Radical generosity, check. Inspiring teaching, check. But Jesus, the guest... Jesus, the guest at your table, will change everything. Everything. He's the best Christmas guest. So, tonight, I meant it to sound more like an invitation than a challenge, I'll be fair. (laughs) But I want to encourage us. Why don't you invite Jesus to be your guest at your table? Whether that's for the first time or whether that's for the 51st, 100th time, like those disciples. They'd eaten with Jesus a lot of times before. But then they saw him again for who he really was. Be my guest, Jesus, this Christmas. Sit and eat with me in my heart, eye to eye, face to face, knee to knee. I'd love it if we just pray together. I'd love to pray for us and and just leave a little bit of space for reflection. So this is quite personal. If you want to close your eyes so you're not distracted by anyone else, then feel free. And um, I'd love us to do something a little bit different as we pray. And it's called praying with your imagination. It's something that people have been doing for centuries. It's not a weird thing. It's actually quite normal. It's just we don't do it so often. But I'd like you to picture with me, if you can, for a minute, sitting at your table, maybe even this table here. And 
Jesus comes and sits next to you. He's sitting with you at your table. He's here. And he's looking at you. And I'd like you to picture that, if you can, in your head. Like you'd picture a film or a movie or an image or a memory. What does Jesus look like? And how is he looking at you? What does he call you as you sit there together at the table? What does he say to you, this guest, Jesus, at your table? Jesus says kind things. What does he say to you? And then, why don't you say to Jesus what you want to say to him? It might just be thank you for sitting with me. It might be something else that you've been waiting to say to Jesus for a while. This is prayer. Listening to, speaking with God. What is it that you want to say to Jesus? I have a um, sense of a word for someone particular, specifically um, an individual here tonight, that you felt like Jesus just wouldn't sit at the table with you. You couldn't even picture him sitting down because you just thought that he wouldn't. And that's largely because um, nobody would sit at a table with you. That's been your experience, maybe even with the church. And I felt that, uh, if this is right, I'm happy to be wrong, but I felt that Jesus wanted you to know that he's coming to your table and he's going to help you sort your stuff out. There's a story in scripture of a man called Zacchaeus. You can go and look it up if you like. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your table, Zacchaeus. And then he helps Zacchaeus sort his life out. Jesus is the guest who comes to us before we think we've got it sorted out. 
and he helps us sort it out. So if that's you, then I'd love to pray for you tonight, actually, so that you know how deeply loved you are by Jesus. So do come and find me. I'll be skulking around the back. (laughs) So as I close, I'd love to read us um, a poem that I found. It's by a guy called George Herbert. And then Naomi is going to come and lead us into eating copious quantities of sugar and uh, pudding. So, (laughs) Love by George Herbert. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful. Ah, my dear, I, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame. My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat.